how many of us um, would say thank you to our parents or our spouses? Let me finish. And then repeatedly not do what they asked us to do. Now you can say, yeah, because we all do it. We all do it. Yeah, yeah especially you, Muller. We all do it. At the end of the year, I was getting a bit light on uh, illustrations, but I was thinking, how many of us get out of our cars and say thank you to our cars every time they get us somewhere safely, but we never take the time to service them? We just expect them to go to ever, forever, like a candle that burns out. Just the younger ones, older ones can remember the days where you had to service them all the time or actually didn't get where you wanted to go. What about this one? This is a bit of a random thought. How many of us would buy a dishwasher, install it in our house, and then fill it up with dirty concrete laying tools and expect it to work. No, I haven't. No, I haven't. But I bet someone here has. Someone will tell me later they've done that. And you just expect it to work. And then it it wouldn't work, would it? It would break. It wouldn't last long. But often we live our lives like that. We live our lives in a way that's not purposed and not designed to live, uh, a way that we weren't designed to live, and we expect great outcomes, yet... We're, we've been told the, you know, we weren't designed to live that way or to operate that way. And um, today I want to talk about dissonance. Dissonance being like a conflict between the, the purpose and the design or the philosophy and the operation. Because I think it's a subject that we need to, to talk about. Liam's going to play me some, a couple of chords that are like some dissonance in there. So dissonance can... That was very nice. Would you give Liam a hand, please? Beautiful. Actually, it was too nice, Liam. It was too nice. Do me a real bad one. Yes, better, better, better. It's getting a bit more sinister. I like that. That's it. That's it. You know, something's just not right in there, eh? I mean, it's good to capture your attention for a minute. But outside of that, I wouldn't want to listen to that all day, every day. It would be like, oh, it's just kind of rubbing me up a bit the wrong way. And, but the dissonance means like a lack of harmony amongst music notes which we just heard or it means a lack of harmony or agreement between people or things there is a thing called cognitive dissonance which is a state of mental conflict we've probably all experienced that mental conflict and then I thought I wonder if there's a term for spiritual dissonance because there is a spiritual dissonance so I did a bit of research and stuff and I found there's a term it's spiritual dissonance I know it's going to be deep today spiritual dissonance and I was reading an article and it said this dissonance describes the internal dispute within many of us between the dubious fashionable values we tend to live by and the deep faith of our souls that cries out to regulate who we are and how we live our lives. I thought, wow, that's, yeah. The same article went on a little bit further. It said, dissonance and its companion, spiritual mediocrity. Take over when we proclaim and live by what is not from the truth. I thought that was fascinating. And the more I thought about it, I thought, yep, you know, spiritual mediocrity is a fruit of dissonance. There's another term we could use for that if you don't get spiritual mediocrity. The term is lukewarm. Lukewarm. 
comes out of dissonance. I would personally describe dissonance this way. Dissonance is when my values and my beliefs are in conflict with my actions or behaviours. If Pastor Ray was here today, which he isn't, but he's probably watching online, I would have gone and seen him because he is the mathematician. And uh, I thought, how would you write this in in an equation? It would be like VB, wouldn't it? Values and beliefs are not equal to, I don't know how to do that sign. Where's my teacher? How do you do that sign? Oh, like an equal sign with a cross through it. I've never seen that one. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Ray. Apologies. VB with the equal sign and a cross through it is not equal to AB, attitudes and behaviours, which equals mediocrity or lukewarm. There we are for the mathematical thinkers amongst us. I think this is a problem. See, I believe that while this is an uncomfortable subject to talk about, this is something that we need to talk about because I am absolutely convinced that Jesus is taking his church, not just here, his church, on a journey at this time and he's leading his church into new things, fresh things, new pastures, so to speak. Um, But something that will hold us back is dissonance spiritual dissonance in our lives. Therefore, we need to eradicate dissonance. I think that most of us, most believers live with or are in significant dissonance. Me. I think, I think that's the case. I think in the West, it is the case. Why, why do I say that? I say that because when I came to faith, I gave Jesus my life. I didn't give him my brain. Or I did. I didn't give him just my brain. I didn't give him just my heart. I didn't give him just an hour and a half on a Sunday morning. I gave him my life. When I put my hand up and I went to the front of the church and I committed my life to Christ, what I was saying is, Lord, I die to myself and I take on your life. I take on your purpose. I take on your way. I take on your destiny. That's what I said. Now, the good news is, just like every disciple in the Scriptures, I've mucked up time and time and time and time again, just like you. And that's okay, because that's part of journey. You just got to get up and go again. Yeah? That's okay, eh? Don't want you to feel condemned by this, but I do do believe we need to feel this. So, when I gave my life to Christ, it wasn't just about a convenient decision that would buy me life insurance so that my eternity was secure. If if, When you said yes to Jesus, you thought you were saying yes to that, I apologize to you because that's not what you were saying yes to. You were saying yes to dying to self and living for Christ. That's what you were doing. So in a nutshell, we've signed up. When I say we, I'm talking about the West primarily. We signed up to be disciples of Christ and we've actually become believers of Christ. There's a vast difference here. We signed up to be disciples, we've become believers. Just a couple of weeks ago, Jay actually spoke on this and he spoke from James chapter 2, 19 and it says, for you believe that there is one God, good on you, but even the demons believe this and he called that demonic faith. Few of us suffer from demonic faith. That's shocking. Actually, it was, when I heard that, I thought that is shocking. 
That's what the Bible says. Because if we just a little bit, just want a little bit, just you know enough to be comfortable, but actually I died to self. When I was baptized, I died to self. I was resurrected in Christ. New life, new person, new man, new, you know? That's what happened. That was the, the spiritual transaction that was taking place. And somehow we've made it okay to just settle as believers. Good to believe, but there's so much more. Now, some of you are saying, well, this is pretty tough. It's Thanksgiving Sunday. I know. But this is a way of saying thank you. A way of... No, serious, serious. You see, I'm not saying thank you to... Well, I am. But I'm saying thank you to God. And a way of saying thank you is, Lord, I'm going to step out of... I'm going to step out of some symbolism and some, some partial truth and step into your truth. And live the way that you've called me to live and and live the life that you want me to live. Surely that's the way I can say thank you. Surely there is so much more power in that than standing here going, oh, thank you, Jesus. I thank you for this. I thank you for that. I thank you. And I can say it with full sincerity, but then I go and live a life which is half what he intended me to live. I don't see thankfulness in that. I see thankfulness in doing. You see, when when um, when I said yes to Jesus here, I actually entered a covenant with him. That by living as a believer, I'm not fulfilling my part of the covenant. Because the covenant was to give him my all. Give him my life. Give him my dreams. Give him my passions. Give him my purpose. Give him my future. Give him my family. Give him my wealth. Give him, it's not mine, it's his. Give him everything. That was the covenant. And as I give him all that, his part of the covenant was, I've got you, Sheridan. I've got you, I've got you in this world and I've got you for all eternity. That was his part of the deal. Yet the ironic thing is, if we don't live in covenant, he's not actually bound to fulfill his part of the covenant. And I want him to fulfill his part because it's important. So how do I make sure that happens? A very wise man said to me recently, Sheridan, when you entered, when you said yes to Jesus on that project, you entered into a covenant with him, well, with the Father on that project. Therefore, you don't even need to ask for the resources of that covenant because you entered covenant. God's bound to fulfill it as long as you stay on track to do fulfill it. I thought, wow, that is so powerful. And that's the same with my life. It's the same with your life. The opposite to dissonance is harmony, agreement, accord, and peace. I love that. He is the Prince of Peace. Isaiah 9. He is the Prince of Peace. There's no dissonance in him. He is the Prince of Peace. What about John 15? It tells us, commands us to live in Christ, to remain in him. As a disciple, we're joined with him. We're not just believing in him, we are joined with him. Wow, that's powerful. So often we think in our world, Disciple, I've been called to be a disciple. That means I've got to study. That means I've got to head. But the, the actual picture of a disciple, sure, it's a student, but it's, the word's bigger than that. It's a follower. And the word disciple means it's more like an apprenticeship. You know, apprenticeship. an apprenticeship is a system for training a new generation of practitioners of a trade or a profession. And it's like to be a disciple of Christ is being more of a, a, an apprentice of Christ. It looks like, and that looks like, you know, watch me do it or watch him do it. Then he'll help me do it. And then I'll do it with him. And then 
He'll watch me do it and help me if I need it. Then I'll do it and teach someone else. It's, it's got a real practical factor to it, not just a head knowledge factor to it. That's why a, a, a believer will not change the world, but a disciple will. Because a believer believes and a disciple does. I don't do for my salvation. I do because he loves me. Sorry, I know it's Thanksgiving, pretty heavy. When I signed up to be a disciple, I gave him my whole life. Luke chapter 14 makes this really clear. Chapter 14, verse 25. I'm going to read it from the message. One day, when large groups of people were walking along with him, Jesus turned and told them, anyone who comes to me but refuses to let go of father, mother, spouse, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even one's own self, can't be my disciple. Ouch. Anyone who won't shoulder his own cross and follow behind me can't be my disciple. Ouch. Is there anyone here who planned to build a new house who doesn't first sit down and figure out the cost so you'll know if you can complete it? If you only get the foundation laid and then run out of money, you're going to look pretty foolish. Everyone passing by will poke fun at you. He started something he couldn't finish. Well, can you imagine a king going into battle against another king without first deciding whether it is possible with his 10,000 troops to face the 20,000 troops of the other? And if he decides he can't, won't he send an emissary and work out a truce? But here's a nutshell. Put simply, if you're not willing to take what is dearest to you, whether plans or people, and kiss it goodbye, you can't be my disciple. Wow. That's pretty heavy, eh? If you simply put, it says, simply put, if you're not willing to take what is dearest to you, whether your plans or people, and kiss it goodbye, you can't be my disciple. Salt is excellent, but if it goes flat, it's useless. Wow. So disciples put their relationship with Jesus above all other relationships above personal desires and plans, above all financial goals and agendas. That's way different from a believer. And we're called to be disciples. What an honor to be called to be a disciple. Hey? There's not a lot of cost in believing. But being called to lay down our lives and follow Him and pursue Him. What an honor. I said all that this morning to say this. We cannot simply say thank you on Thanksgiving Sunday. We cannot simply say thank you on Thanksgiving Sunday with our mouths. It's good. It's very powerful. It's important that we do that. But we must respond in our role as disciples to covenant. Which means, Jesus, I give you my all. I give you my everything. See, one of the massive dangers with dissonance is it causes mediocrity, lukewarmness, but it just it actually causes physical things. You know, if if you if you're living in the place of dissonance for a long time, it's one of the key factors for burnout. 
It's one of the key factors that my beliefs and my behaviours aren't lining up. It's one of the key factors for burnout. It's one of the key factors for backsliding. Because if my I'm professing and what I'm living aren't paralleled, I'm going to get pulled one way or the other. One way or the other. Dissonance impacts our health, our physical health. It impacts our mental health. Because we're not designed to live with that tension inside of us. He is the Prince of Peace, not the Prince of dis- Dissonance. He's the Prince of Peace. We're actually designed at the end of the day to have internal peace, not conflict and strife. And Jesus says, give me your everything, and that's your road to internal peace. Wow, doesn't even make sense in the natural, does it? So we need to eliminate dissonance. Scripture has a clear pattern from start to finish. The, the pattern is this. If you live according to God's instruction, we live in His providence. If we do it our own way, expect your own outcomes. I've spent the whole year um, uh, studying Torah. As you know, the first five books of the Bible written by Moses. It's just absolutely fascinating. The more you understand Torah, the more you realize the rest of Scripture flows out of Torah. It's amazing. And the patterns and everything else. And I see in there this pattern of blessing and cursing all the way. And I think perhaps in the past I saw it slightly different. Perhaps I, I saw, you know, I obey a God and I live in His providence and His blessing. And if I get out of God's um, uh, purposes and live over here, I'm going to have to dodge Him a bit because He's after me. I don't think that's what it's saying now. I think what it's saying is if I live according to God's ways, patterns, principles, I'm I'm under his blessing. I'm under. I'm in his providence. He's going to take care of it. He's going to watch. You know. And, and if I choose to do it my own way, the results are my own results. Because I've stepped out of his providence and gone. Well, I can do it better. Good luck to me. Good luck to me. I'd say I know better than God. I don't think so. Good luck to me. And you just see that there's a, the law of atrophy. That when people do things their own way, it just slowly goes down. That's what happened in the garden. Adam and Eve said, no, no, I think we'll do it our way. And God said, well, okay, but you know, death's knocking at the door there. And die right then on the spot, but they were left to their own way, which led to death. And God invites us to be disciples and live His way according to His purposes and according to His plans. Easiest way? I don't think so. His plan? Yes. His plan, yes. So how many of us would buy a domestic dishwasher and put dirty concrete tools in it, knowing that that would wreck it? We wouldn't. That would be silly. That would be silly. That would be like buying an iPad and taking it home and using it as a hot mat for the pots off the stove and then wondering why it didn't work. That would be silly. Hey, Yeah, it would be silly. So why would you commit yourself to Christ as a disciple and then live a completely inferior life to that on purpose? Maybe, almost snorted. Maybe, maybe it would be because you didn't know. But now you do. Now you do. I don't think we do it on purpose. You and I are created and designed to be disciples of Jesus. Lip service simply doesn't cut it. You know, that's where the terms like the church is full of hypocrites comes from. Because we've all done that. Hey, 
We've all done it. I know you're sitting there trying to look holier than thou. But we've, we've all done it. We've all done it. And we'll do it again. We will. It's just, it's what happens. But we're called to be disciples. I'd rather be a failing disciple than a comfortable believer. Actually, I don't think I can be a failing disciple. I'd rather be a learning disciple than a failing believer. So, can I just really encourage us today to give thanks by purposely living as full-hearted disciples. Make that our thanksgiving. Full-hearted disciples of Christ.